Hello, and welcome to MGMA Small Talk, where we discuss issues facing practice administrators across the healthcare world. I'm Shannon Geis, staff writer and editor at MGMA, and today I'm speaking with Christina Masluck, professor of psychology at the University of California, Berkeley. She has been a pioneering researcher on job burnout and has written several books on the subject, including The Truth About Burnout. Christina recently led a session at the MGMA AMA 2017 Collaborate in Practice conference called Collaborate with Colleagues, where she discussed how to improve daily work experience and reduce the risk of burnout. Uh, Christina is here with us today to talk about steps you can take to minimize burnout in your practice. Um, so thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. Um, so first, can you tell us just a little bit more about your background um, and your experience with um, studying burnout? Mm -hmm. uh, well, my specialty is in social psychology. And what that means is that um, my work has always really been looking at the individual within a social context. How are we influenced by other people? What kind of impact we have? So really understanding people in you know the midst of uh, social life. Mm -hmm. And I stumbled across burnout years ago, um, not as something I was planning to study. I had never heard about it. In fact, it wasn't even really a term widely used. But I was interviewing people uh, to understand more about how they cope with emotional feelings, particularly strong emotional arousal in their work. And what I was learning from that was something that people kept saying, well, instead of answering your question quite like that, can I tell you what I'm going through now? Mm -hmm. I said, okay. And what I then discovered was something that eventually people labeled as burnout, uh, and I began to study that. So my work since then has really tried to focus on how do we understand this problem in which people who went into work feeling positive, feeling well-trained, had a goal of doing something important in life, get to the point where they're overwhelmingly exhausted, they can't stand the job and the people in it, and they're beginning to doubt themselves. Mm -hmm. um, that's great. So would you tell me, um, just for our listeners and just for clarification, what, how you would define burnout specifically? Burnout is a, a kind of a psychological experience that people can have, uh, and it seems to be marked by three um, interlocking or, you know, intersecting components. One is because it is a stress response, it's high exhaustion. So the feeling like you have nothing left to give, you're run out of energy, creativity, etc. But it's not just exhaustion. It, it, that's sort of necessary, but the sufficient part is um, two other things. One, something we talk about as cynicism or depersonalization, a very negative, hostile, don't give a damn, shove this job away from me kind of attitude where you're beginning to really dislike uh, the kinds of things you have to do. You've lost the, the kind of passion, the meaning that you found in that work, and you're doing the bare minimum rather than your very best. And then the third component, which usually we see coming a little bit later, is you begin to feel negative about yourself. You begin to get depressed. I made the wrong choices. This isn't working out the way I wanted. Maybe I'm not really that good at this. Um, and so we then uh, see this negative feeling, not just towards the job, this take this job and shove it, but what's wrong with me? What's, what's happening um, in terms of my life? Mm-hmm. Um, and so what are some of the risk factors um, that lead to burnout? What are some of the things that people should be looking out for um, maybe before they've gotten to the burnout mm -hmm. stage? Right. Mm -hmm. um, and that's an important point because I actually do think that being aware of this 
helps people prevent from going down that path. It's harder to treat rather than just not be there in the first place. So what the research has shown, and this is research from many researchers around the world, um, uh, is that there are at least six areas of work life where the misfit between the person and the job can really set them up for burnout. And those six areas have to do with, first, workload. I mean, what it is you have to do, what are the demands, what resources do you have? Second is control, how much choice, discretion, say over how you do the job. Third is reward, and it's not just you know salary and benefits. It turns out recognition, people saying, wow, that was really good, we really appreciate what you did, is really important. It's the positive feedback you get for doing a job well. The fourth is the work community, and that is the people that you work with, uh, your colleagues, the people you supervise, other staff, patients, families, etc. and are those working relationships going well or a huge source of stress. Um, fifth is fairness, and it's really all the policies, all the practices, the way we do things are Am I and everybody else being treated with respect, being treated fairly in terms of how this goes out? And the sixth is values, and that's really at the heart of what gives meaning to life, that I'm doing something that I really feel proud of, that I work hard for. And if people feel they're in a situation where those values aren't present or you're in a value conflict or unethical kinds of things, and that can, so big, problems in any of those six or several or more we you know can lead to burnout down the road mm -hmm. and so um why do you think there is uh, such an issue with burnout in particular with healthcare? i think that's where you hear about um, it the most yeah uh it's interesting Healthcare has been uh one of those areas of work that has been involved in burnout research from the very beginning and i'm now talking 30 40 years worth uh, we saw it then, we're still seeing it now. People are talking about it and reporting more of it now. And so, uh, and it's also one of the professions in general that has had more participation in research as opposed to, I don't want to talk about it, you know, kind of thing. And I think that part of it has always been um, about the relationship you have with other people at work. Um, it can be partly about the patients and the families and so forth, but what we're also finding is that the social relationships, ongoing, chronic, that you have with everybody else in your work community are absolutely critical in terms of either making you feel engaged in work or feeling more burned out. And I think that, that in healthcare, um, that's particularly important. It's not just you all by yourself. There's a lot of other people that you need to deal with, and sometimes in very difficult and stressful circumstances. And I think what's happening also is that there are a number of changes that have been going on within the healthcare profession that have been having a negative impact on people in terms of their feeling that they are indeed doing the thing they really love. They've lost the the calling. It's now just a job, and it's something that they're saying, this is not what I wanted it to be. The fact that a recent survey of North American physicians 
showed that nine out of 10 of them would not recommend a medical career to young people is pretty telling. I mean, something has gone wrong in terms of what they now have to do, whether it's filling out, you know, electronic medical records and not having time to really be with the patient. And, you know, um, there's a lot that I think has added to the strain in these six areas. Mm-hmm. And in talking about these six areas, it's, it seems very clear that you consider burnout um, a more of an institutional issue than rather an individual issue. Absolutely. Uh, and let me make it clear, that doesn't, I mean, people always put these things in like an either-or perspective. It's about the job and the job environment and the institution, or it's about the person, and it's not. It's both. I mean, I'm not opposed at all to trying to help people deal with this. But the problem that I see is that the more we focus on that, the less we actually pay attention to what's causing the problem in the first place. So to help people cope, try to give them an antidote, try to make them more resilient and stronger so that they can just deal with the stress better, begs the question of why not look at what's causing the stress in the first place? Can we do something there as well? rather than saying we just have to keep boosting people to get stronger and stronger because it's getting worse and worse, you know. Mm -hmm. Can we get smarter about how we do this work uh, and how it can be done in a way that preserves and encourages the positive motivation and feeling and commitment that people have when they go into healthcare and make it a job that is not something you say, never mind, don't bother with this one, but actually, yeah, want to pursue this. Yeah. Uh, So that perfectly leads into my next question, which is really, what are the ways that organizations and practices can can address some of those um, underlying issues? Right. Um, First off, I think, uh, and it it may sound sort of trite, but but it's surprising how often we don't recognize it, is that we have to actually realize that this is an organizational, a shared problem, not just individuals which means we have to put it on the agenda, so to speak, and have it say, this is something we care about. We realize people are really going through tough times with this. How do we look at this and how do we make some changes to improve the workplace and keep at it and keep checking in and keep following it to see are we actually making progress? Are we actually making a difference? So it means it has to be something that is, um, that we've, value as important that the place we create and keep and maintain and keep running is actually a place where people can thrive and and do well and give their all and feel good about it. So it's partly, it's really just putting it on the organizational agenda rather than, well, it's their problem. Maybe we'll have a workshop. Maybe we'll send them away from the job for a little bit. You know, that doesn't really solve the problem. Also, in connection with that, is by putting it on the agenda, so to speak, it's not only are we going to keep looking at it, asking and checking about it. If we do anything, we need to evaluate, did did it make a difference? The biggest question I get asked is, what? Just give me the best practice. Just tell me what to do, and we'll do it. And I wish I could say there were a lot of instances in which best practices or whatever kind of practice, we don't know the best ones yet, were implemented, and then there was a follow-up to see, is it working? Very few out there. So there's lots of good ideas. 
But unfortunately, there's not a lot of evidence which down the road says, okay, we put in money, time, effort. Is this, is this helping? We don't know. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, so um, can we talk a little bit about some of those <laughs> ideally best practices? Yeah, Obviously, yeah. it's hard to say, but yeah. are there certain things that you would recommend at least uh, practices try yeah. or, you know? I think of the, what's interesting is about those six areas that I mentioned to you, that the ones that people automatically think of is the first one, workload. Ugh, must be the workload. Actually, it turns out it's not workload per se. It's the other stuff that really is what's causing burnout. So, for example, uh, people often are working in situations where positive feedback and recognition of doing something well is just absent. I can't tell you how many people have said in interviews or research studies when I ask them, <clears throat> tell me about what's a really good day. And they'll say, no complaints, no screamers, no bad things. That's a good day, an absence of bad stuff. But you're often working in a situation where getting the good stuff, when you do something well, isn't happening. So how do we begin to change that? How can we as a group be able to do that? Another thing we're finding it's really, really critical is the workplace community. And that's why I'm talking about collaboration, because it turns out other people, your colleagues, you know, the staff you work with in all kinds of different ways, they are your best resource for dealing and coping with stress and having a better work life. And <clears throat> conversely, it's a double-edged sword. It can be this really awful aspects of people, you know, who are rude and snarky and don't help each other out and, you know, are trying to throw each other other, sorry, throw each other under the bus, you know, kind of thing. I mean, when you get those kind of politics thing. But the flip side is that when you can make those kind of relationships working well, really supportive, people you can count on, can laugh with, can help each other out, you're there for them as much as they are for you, that is like gold. That is money in the bank. That people can go through a lot of stuff saying, we've got a great team here. And really, you can count on them and trust them. And the research shows over and over again for people going through medical school, for going through residency, internships, that one of the things they value most or wish they had if they haven't is other people to talk to that they can trust, who can provide support, that they are there for them. It comes, you know, so these, you know, rather than just being all alone, isolated, whatever, having all kinds of a web of social connection turns out to be huge. And so we really need to find better ways to support that and build that within institutions um, rather than having these people kind of as these isolated, don't talk to me, can't get together, whatever. Right. Um, so what do you think are some of the biggest uh, hurdles or challenges in in getting to collaboration? I mean, there, there's <laughs> yeah. a lot, but... Uh, there's a lot, and I think there's different ways in which it can be done. I mean, we're always looking for good examples uh, out there. But basically, it takes a team or a group or an institutional effort. Maybe it's by the unit that we work in. I mean, who are the people that, you know, sort of uh, clusters of groups... How do we begin to change how we work together? 
Uh, and is this something that requires some outside help, you know, to get us being able to talk with each other and, and deal with, you know, certain kind of issues? Is this something we can do on our own by just sort of being more, you know, smart about this and trying to think about it? Can we find things that make us really feel good and happy about the work and say, how do we do more of these? Um, and uh, so it can be self-initiated. There are obviously also other kinds of consultants or who can be brought in to focus on this, not on individual resilience and, you know, which is fine, but how do we get us working together as well as possible? Mm-hmm. Um, and if you ask people about what are, what are their good days, what are the things that are really valuable, what are the, what's something you remember about the last couple months that really made you feel great? Mm-hmm. And people will come up with instances and talk about how much it meant, just that they got some incredible thing done, and people said, you know what, that's something we ought to, let's take you out, because you just, you know, you just made a major save there in terms of whatever that particular was. Mm-hmm. say, wow, that goes for months, having that kind of high. How do we just figure out how to do that more often, you know, in our work? How do we find out, you know, what would help you if, you said, if I had somebody to, you know, um, consult with and not worry about, uh, you know, when I'm facing a rough, a rough patch. Um, one of the things that we have seen with research focus on this is um, a program called CREW, and I'll mention that in my talk, um, which is Civility, Respect, and Engagement at Work. And it is a team-based kind of intervention which has been implemented in hospitals, developed in hospitals, tested in hospitals, takes six months, and you have to be able to find it one time a week where people, you know, in the unit, the group can get together to work on this. But it can turn around a very negative social climate so that six months later, burnout is lower, absenteeism is dropping, people are showing up for work, uh, people are less rooted and um, more civil and engaged with their colleagues. And the follow-up of research a year later, a year and a half later, shown that those positive effects continue. So how do you make the, the environment, social environment, sort of spiral upwards and get better rather than going into a downward spiral? It can be done. It takes time. It takes commitment. It takes putting it on the agenda, saying we value this, and we'll keep at it until we get to a better place. Yeah, well, that's great. Um, so we've talked a lot about a, a lot. We've covered a lot already. Um, is there anything else you want to add or make sure that people know um, in regards to burnout? Or uh, I guess I just want to underscore that looking at those six areas and not just going always to the first one of workload, mm-hmm. uh, but thinking about what's happening in terms of those other five can actually be a kind of a good diagnostic tool to identify things. I'll, you know, in my talk, I have a case study uh, of an organization where the issue turned out to be one of fairness. CEOs were shocked. I mean, people think it's not a fair, you know, what, you know, kind of thing, as opposed to they had predicted workload would be the problem. Workload wasn't the problem, but it was how we do things here, and is it who you know, as opposed to how well you do what you do? Are there scams going on? Are there ways in which... I'll give the example of a, an award 
which people hated so much because it was viewed as so unfair in terms of who the award went to. Well, you can change that. You can begin to identify things that this is not working well. How do we do something better that actually recognizes people who really did something special as opposed to who got on the good side of their supervisor? So there are ways to think about changes and improvements and improvements don't have to be the whole thing, the whole ball of wax. You can't improve everything. But if you can begin to make small steps in these areas of saying, what would make this a better place to work at? What would, you know, just, can we deal with this thing over here? How about that over there? Start small, go for that. And it, it actually will have a uh, ripple effect is what we found. You start wherever you start, if you can begin to make progress on that, it actually helps in a lot of the other areas. And it's a continuous process. I mean, the world will be a different place in five years. We can all kind of guarantee that. We don't know what it is. But you're always having to check in. So it's like a, having a annual or biannual checkup. How are we doing? What, 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 you know, what is the snag that we're, we're dealing with now? Could we rethink some of this? What would be some suggestions? Um, and that would lead me to the other recommendation, which is get a lot of input from everybody, not just the people at the top, not just the complainers, not just, you know, the few. We have found that if you're going to make any improvements of any kind that actually will prevent burnout, you have to make sure that everybody all up and down the organization or in that particular unit through the rank and file believe in it. Otherwise, it won't get done. But if they say, yeah, this is really going to help, or they have some ideas about don't do X, Y, or Z would be a whole lot better, pay attention to that, incorporate that, so that people are really um, working together and towards something that they actually feel is worth the time and effort to make it work. That's great. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk oh, with us today. You're welcome. I appreciate it. Was it was really a pleasure. Uh, for more information about how to combat burnout in your practice, check out our episode page at mgma.org podcasts. Hey listeners, before we go, I just wanted to ask you to help us out by taking a short survey. Your feedback will help us improve the podcast and make sure we are covering the topics you care about. To take the survey, please visit mgma.org podcast survey. Thanks for your help. 